All right, I'll open this up in a word of prayer. Father, thank you again for your love and for your patience with us. Thank you for this fellowship, this family that we have here. We thank you for the blessing of it. We thank you for the encouragement. We thank you too for your word and for what it does in our lives and our hearts. It changes us. It challenges us. And we are so thankful for that. And we pray that you would speak through your word tonight, that you would use it in our lives, that uh, we might become closer with you, that we might <coughs> learn more of you, that we might desire to spend more time with you. Thank you again for blessings in so many ways. We pray for our church, for the direction of our church, we thank you for the leadership in our church and pray your wisdom in your lives. Thank you again for what you're going to do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Part five, <coughs> as we've been, been going through Mark's gospel of Jesus, we can see how he's been put on display for everyone to see. <laughs> well, it's not working. From the most notable to the least notable, to the religious and to the unclean, to those who believed and had faith, and to those who lacked faith. He is the same God overall, believers and unbelievers. One day, every knee will bow and confess he is Lord. Philippians 2, 10 and 11. Even the demons confess and bow down before him. The last little while, we've been looking at about the last two to three days of Jesus' life, dealing with four signs that Jesus displays. These signs are graphic pictures of Jesus's unlimited authority, calming the storm over nature, casting out thousands of demons that will be the spiritual world. And there is an active spiritual world going on as we speak. The healing of the woman, that was a physical, and raising the dead. Everything in our lives can be connected to one of these four signs. Nothing is out of Jesus's grasp or control. He is sovereign overall. That was the bigger picture. So what do I see emphasized in each of these four events? And it may be different for each one of us. The first one, the apostles have been with him day in and day out, seen him perform many signs, touch the unclean, and yet not become unclean. Heard him speak as no other, as the one with authority. And yet, Jesus asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? 
That's chapter 4 and verse 40, Mark. The second one, the demon-possessed man, possibly the most pitiful man to have ever lived, one that may not have even known Jesus, and yet Jesus comes out of his way to save him physically and spiritually. He begged Jesus to go with him, but Jesus... But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. That's Mark 5, 18 to 19. God is aware of your situation. These two stories show fear and how God can use that. He is not limited by your actions and yet God working in circumstances to produce faith. Fear can be a good thing. Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So, there, so it's good to have a natural fear or respect. Then the two events we've been focusing on lately, they focus on faith. Jairus and his dying daughter and the woman with the bleeding issue. All four events, <clears throat> they come in desperation. All lost hope, except for the man that they call Jesus. He is the only hope that they have. All of them were at their wits ends. Jairus and the woman came seeking out Jesus, as we have seen. Jairus comes openly on behalf of his little girl, and the woman comes in secret, not wanting to draw attention to herself, but both come in faith. Believing Jesus can and will help. One from death, one from affliction. It seems Jesus would have dealt with the most serious one first, prioritizing their needs. All of us need to do that. We pray for that. I know oftentimes we'll pray that God would, would uh, help us to prioritize our needs. Jesus has all the time he needs. He is not limited because of circumstances, but we are limited to time we do need to prioritize and schedule. But when we are interrupted and our schedule is delayed, look for the benefit in it. God is still sovereign, and at times that is hard to grasp, especially in the moment. This woman is placed right in the middle of the events that would have seemed to have had high priority, saving this little girl's life. It's interesting. Do you ever have interruptions to your plans? All of us have. I believe a big lesson here is not if we are interrupted, but how do we respond, especially to the needs of others when interrupted. Interruptions are just a part of life. That's exactly what happens here. Jesus is going with Jairus 
and someone in the crowd unintentionally interrupts this event, the woman. I take notice that she is placed between Jairus coming for Jesus and Jesus getting to Jairus's daughter. No one except Jesus and the woman realize why they all have stopped. The woman sneaks through the crowd to touch not Jesus, but his clue. What faith? When she does, her bleeding immediately stops. She can feel it. And it seems that immediately all stopped. The procession toward Jairus's daughter, if you remember, they're on their way, all stopped. The woman has no time to disappear. She was looking at an easy in, easy out, not expecting to stop anything, especially draw attention to herself. Right, so we'll read our text again. Mark 5, and we'll start in verse 21. And hopefully we're going to get to verse 34 tonight. We'll finish this text up. It says, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay for them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I can be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once her heal, that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell on her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. So last week, we had started verse 29. Immediately, the fountain of the blood was dried up and she fell in her body that she had been healed of her affliction. In verse 30, it says, And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, 
turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Mark gives attention of the multitude of the crowds that are around him. Many times, many trying to get to him. It only mentions three disciples, Peter, James, and John, but I'm sure the others were around. We talked about that uh, some last week. Um, the second part, Jesus knows some someone had been made well. And the question is, how? And the answer is right there. Because power had gone out of him. He turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Jesus stops in the midst of going with Jairus. His steps are interrupted by someone touching his clothes. He stops and asks, who touched my clothes? <clears throat> Jesus could have just kept walking to restore the little girl's life, but he doesn't. And if you think about it, who knows about this hill at this point? The woman and Jesus. <clears throat> That's right, just the two of them. Jesus didn't have to stop. The woman had been, the woman had been healed, right? Said her blood had dried up, but he stops. Think what that should have meant for Jesus by stopping. If, if the crowd knows that this woman has touched him, even his clothes, that means he would be ceremonially unclean, right? He, he, had, he, had stake, he would have had stake and not stopping, right? He was touched by an unclean woman which by Old Testament law would have made him unclean. It would have been in his best interest of himself to keep quiet. But you know, I can't remember a time when Jesus was deemed unclean. Can you, can you think of a time when he was deemed unclean? No. By, touching, by touching the unclean? Remember the leper yeah. that we looked yeah. at? It, it's very interesting to me that the religious leaders didn't didn't attack him in that way. Uh, but he always, always made the unclean or the diseased clean. Jesus knows someone has been restored. How? Well, obviously the power has gone out of it. I believe it was something that he had felt before. I want to talk, I want to discuss that a little bit. He had, he had healed many. He could feel the power leaving himself and entering another. Jesus tells his disciples after his resurrection, well, in, uh, in Luke 8, 4 to 6, which is the same account, says that Jesus said, someone did touch me. For I perceived that power has gone forth from me. 
Luke 24:49. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised, to stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. My personal opinion here is that the Holy Spirit had done the healing. Because it seems it seems that Jesus was unaware of this woman even being there by his reactions. Who touched me? And and you could argue with that. You could say, well, he's doing that for the benefit of the crowd. Is it possible that the that the Spirit of God would come upon Jesus at times? Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> because you know we 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 see that at, at times he knows the thoughts of people, <clears throat> and and you know that's that's one of the hardest things, and I think that's what a lot of scholars debate is how much was Jesus human versus how much was he God? He was 100% both. He was. Yeah. Did he, he know all things? He is. Being human? No. I think he was. His mind is limited. limited. Yeah, he was He's limited. Not. Right, right. And scholars scholars debate to how much. He limited himself. Well, he yeah, was, he did. He, he, he came himself. and yeah, limited himself. And I and I and I believe and you know the other disciples had uh, he gave them, given them the authority to go out and to heal and uh, to cast out demons and things like this and I can't remember I can't I can't, I can't really remember any time where it specifically said that they'd done that before. Before Jesus was crucified, but I know, I know they did because He gave them the authority. And uh, there was question, like I think one time, uh, why can't we heal this man, this one particular man? And Jesus says, because of your faith, you know. But we know He did, so I, I, I believe the Holy Spirit would come upon Jesus, and then it will come upon his disciples because i don't think it was till after and you can you can correct me on this i don't think it was till after the resurrection and the day of pentecost is when the holy spirit actually came and dwelt with the you know all through the old testament we can see where the holy spirit would come upon somebody even prophets and they would prophesy and then as i understand it they would leave the Holy Spirit would withdraw. He would come. And I think, and and I'm wondering if this is the same thing that was happening to Jesus. Any thoughts? Well, I know the scripture is clear when it talks about being going out to the wilderness. It says in one of the translations that the Spirit drove him out of the wilderness. Yeah. And there are other times when he was in hunger and need, and angels came and ministered to him. And uh, talks about he gives the spirit in full measure but you're right that's a good question i don't i don't know enough to say exactly there's an interesting thought that uh well, I, you know I, I do agree with you that the holy spirit 
confirmed his work all along the way, including miracles. There's no no doubt in my mind about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I believe um, that it wasn't. I'm careful how I say this, right? Because God is God, uh, Jesus is God the Son. Mm -hmm. But in terms of their roles in this plan, because Jesus in John's Gospel clearly says the Father is no one is greater than the Father. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, meaning, in terms of the authority structure of God, that God the Father talks and the Son voluntarily submits to Him, and the Spirit also submits to the Father, which is interesting because it's and so great. I pray to the Father. Well, well, yes, but to the Father, because Jesus says um, specifically in uh, um, uh, in the discourses, so I'm going to go back to the Father and I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the Father to send the Spirit. Why did he just command the spirit to go directly? It seems to be because the father is the one from whom all those commands flow, even well, the Godhead, which is interesting to me. Um, and so at the baptism, uh, when the spirit comes, uh, it says it rests on you, just come like fly off, you know, mm -hmm. like a dove, and descended and rested on Jesus. Of course, that told John the Baptist that this is the one, right? But I think it symbolically represents the fact that the Spirit did come and stayed with him and was the energy or the power behind all of those miracles. Uh, and the one that the text that Dad quoted quickly there is, in, is at the end of John 3. It says, John the Baptist is, uh, you know, he's, he's straightening his disciples out, right? They're all upset about Jesus' ministry. More people going to him. Us and, and he says, It's okay, I must decrease, he must increase. And then he says, He who comes from above, that's Christ, is above all, not just, yeah, because he's God, but because of this hierarchy of God's plan. Uh, he's, in other words, he's above me, he's above all the other prophets. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth, he's talking about himself, and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He's the heavenly witness. He's, he trumps me. That's what John the Baptist is saying. Mm -hmm. uh, he bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. Uh, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. And I think it confirms what you're saying, Larry, is that particularly in the past, and even now, I mean, we we have the Spirit of God, and, mm -hmm. and that is an amazing thing. Um, but he doesn't empower us to do these miracles like he empowered Jesus. And this is what John Baptist is saying, is without measure, because we're not, the purpose of those was to confirm to the nation that he was the Messiah, and then especially to his disciples, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, um, that's not our purpose. But yes, I, I, the enabling for these miracles comes from him. And that John, I think that's the clearest passage I know of where it says that, that John the Baptist is like, he has the spirit without measure. I'm like, because John the Baptist had the spirit too, right? Mm -hmm. from, from the womb. Now, other, other Old Testament prophets had the spirit. But what he's saying is, he's the one from heaven. The spirit is, of God has been given to him, and he sets as the supreme authority over, over all of the past 
servants of God through whom the Spirit has worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe Jesus' apostles and his disciples were given this authority to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out, cast out the demons, and to raise the dead. It wasn't about them, but about Jesus. Although I do believe the Spirit would come upon them to do these signs as a witness for Christ, <laughs> and for the good of the people. It was, a, it was a sign. We don't need those signs today. And why do we not need those signs today? Because we have the word. We have the word. That's right. We have the word. It's, it's written down in black and white. But we have it. So Jesus knows someone from behind him has touched him. Jesus turns around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Luke gives a small pause in between verse 30 and 31. Mark. Luke 8, 45, he said, when all were denying. So the, so the crowd stops. Jesus had said, who touched me? Luke adds that everybody in the crowd was saying, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. He said it loud enough. Yeah. Peter and those who were and uh, let's see, Luke 8, 45. And when all was denying it, Peter and those who were with him said, Master, the multitudes surround you and press you on every side. Mark uh, makes us think that Jesus ignores the disciples' response when, when Luke doesn't. What do you what do you mean someone touched you? Luke says, but Jesus said, somebody touched me. He's not ignoring them. He's answering. He said, but somebody touched me, for I perceive power going out from me. Jesus replied to the, to the disciples' question. You know, it's, it's interesting how each gospel has a different perspective and how they add add their little their little detail into it. Um, I don't know if y'all ever watched that watched that movie one time and I can't even think the name of it where they had a, a president that was killed. Face to face. And no there was about vantage point. That's it. And they had they had about three or four different people that seen it from different ways. They all all had a different vantage point, but this but the same the same outcome. But everybody saw something completely different. Yeah. Because they were looking at it from somewhere different. And I and and I think it's almost like these disciples a lot of time. Luke is looking at it from a doctor's standpoint a lot of times. Matthew looks at it from a Jewish standpoint. How would the Jews react? So he a lot of times writes in that perspective. It's interesting. It seems Jesus didn't know beforehand the woman was coming, but I'm sure the Holy Spirit did. So as Jesus is asking who touched me, not who brushed up against me, or who accidentally touched me, but who intentionally touched me. There's a difference. There's a difference. 
Yeah. That's, a, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, it, I think maybe it elevates in our thinking a little bit more just how valuable the Holy Spirit is. Mm-hmm. You know, he gets, he gets really neglected a lot, um, <laughs> like Rick says, attention going to the Father and the Son a lot. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but um, uh, there's a text, I think it's Matthew. You being evil will have your good gifts, your children have much more. Um, and one, of the, one of the gospels puts it this way How much more does the Father, will the Father give you the Holy Spirit for those who ask him? And it's like the Holy Spirit is this best gift you can get of this life. You know, it's like, it's like the highest. And, and that's, it's got me stopped thinking, you know, there's a lot more, I think, going on there than we realize. My wife and I were having this discussion about <clears throat> in John, it says, uh, up in Discord, Jesus says, I know you guys are upset because I'm leaving. I told you I'm going where you can't come. But he says it's to your advantage. Because if I do not come, then, uh, then he, the Holy Spirit, comfort, paracletos, will not come. And uh, this is kind of maybe one hint as to why he's so valuable in that sense, because Human again, touching his humanity. Jesus didn't know that, mm-hmm. you know, or didn't didn't know that, that him was being touched uh, to to issue a command to say be healed, right? Mm-hmm. But the Spirit did. The Spirit did know that. The Spirit is uh, able to work with each believer individually. Whereas Jesus is isolated to one place, He's in a body, in one place, and can't do that work globally. And yeah, and even even in, in our lives, we talk about the sovereignty of God <coughs> and how He orchestrates events in our lives. And I thought it was very good to I think it was said last week that he he or I think maybe Pastor Peter said from the pulpit that uh, God doesn't only allow things to happen; He causes them to happen. Exactly right. That's 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 hard to come to come hard. to grips with when it uh, when it seems to not benefit you, you know, when it seems to be something that uh, is not beneficial to you, right. and you, and you know, oftentimes I think, well, God allowed this to happen, but but you're you're exactly right, and that's made me think think a lot that God causes these things to happen. Yes, Dave. Especially, especially being his child. As yeah. Because you, you as a parent never allowed something to happen. Some things you've got to allow For the to happen. Betterment of your children. Yeah. Some, some, you've got to let some bad happen That's right. sometimes in your kids' life for them, for them to realize. You know. I don't think we wanted to. Do but you never know. left them during that time. Yeah. You never forsake them. Right. You still love them. I don't think the scripture says that God is the the author of sin insofar as if he actually invents that and does it, but he uses, he ordains sinful, rebellious people and their attitudes for his purpose. And uh, there are passages in which he uh, commissioned demons to go and go into the heart of Ahab or the prophet to be a deceiving spirit. And he used their lying and their deceiving. For his purpose, and will, and so in that sense, 
Uh, I think it's accurate. Uh, I, I agree. I do not. Uh, I, I disagree when we say, "Well, God knew this was going to happen, or God allowed this to happen, or whatever." Uh, that yes, He allows these things to do it, but He is He is the one that's behind it. He is the one that's in charge, and He can stop it just like that if He wants to. It's not a problem, which is a comforting thing. Amen. Amen. So while all this was happening. All were tonight, all the people. And then we come to verse 31, and we see the response of the disciples. But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? So what does Jesus do? <clears throat> and he looked around to see her, see her who had done this thing. I just want to run down the events quickly. Jesus is on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. A woman sneaks through the crowd, and in faith, she touches his clothes. Power goes out from him. Jesus stops. He asks, who touched my clothes? And it seems no one is owning up to it. Then Jesus begins to look around to see who it was. Try to imagine the puzzled look on these disciples' faces, or even the look that would have been on our face. I am sure they're thinking, let's get going. The child is dying. Mark doesn't address them, but rather the woman. What will your response be when you're called from a crowd? Know the order of the miracles. She was made whole in the body. Immediately the fountain of blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she had been healed of this affliction. Her faith has already been honored. She believed she would be healed and she was of her affliction. God works in the bodies of believers and unbelievers. He is merciful. He is long-suffering. He is patient with all. And it's interesting what happens next. Verse 33. Yes. Yes, sure. Uh, you know, this morning in Sunday school, you know, learning about that, that uh, it was four days. You know, that Jesus had waited four days. Yeah. And because it was all about his timing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was all about the Father's timing. And um, in learning this morning that, you know, maybe that's how long it took all the rest of those um, officials um, to get to uh, Martha's house, um, which really makes a lot of sense, you know, so that all of these. Jewish, the Jewish leaders and so forth were there um, when the great event happened. Okay, so all of this timing. Well, this man Jairus, he is a leader of the synagogue, mm -hmm. right? So he is a he's a big man too, and so I'm sure that all of these, you know, some of these people that are maybe in the crowd or maybe already on their way to his house 
for this because when he gets there, they're all crying and there's mourners there and everything because she's already died. Mm. Okay, so here's Jesus waiting again. Now, Jesus didn't even have to go to his house because he could have just said, Oh, your daughter's sick. I know she's sick. Okay, now she's well, like yeah. he did to uh, the, was it the centurion's mm -hmm. uh, servant there. And so, you know, he didn't, he could have done that, but he didn't. And here it is again, but gathering. The religious leaders they're all going to be well probably a, a number of them because uh because of who he is so somebody you know his daughter dies so maybe it is a little bit similar to the situation with yeah, that that we that. this morning it's not, interesting. The, not the delay could be that yeah so i mean it's not really a delay but in a way it is a delay because i'm sure the people that were around were going because after that they're all going yeah, well, you know, Jairus doesn't say anything, but I'm, I'm sure he's thinking the same thing. Yeah. My little girls, yeah, why have we stopped? You know, because only, only people, like we mentioned earlier, that knows is Jesus and the woman, you know. Yeah. yeah, until she speaks up, yeah. until she comes forward. But he asked first who touched me, and so I, I never thought about that. <clears throat> that had to be a pretty loud outcast. Yeah. Okay, it wasn't who touched me. You got to realize, I'm sure there's a yeah. ton of crowd people, and there's got to be some of these Jewish leaders with this crowd. Dude, the fact is, they followed him everywhere. They wouldn't find him. But I think I didn't ever realize that. So I think that was a statement. Like Erica said, I think that was a, a statement that was being made. Well, but they were on their way. Oh, was, uh, they were, you know, I guess. Well, yeah, they were, all, they were on their way. Anyway, I don't think Jesus had to be too loud and say that with Peter there. Peter obviously was in a hurry to get to Jairus. This was an opportunity to impress the Jews. And when he said, Who touched me? I'm sure Peter came out pretty loud. What do you mean, you touched me? Call these people. But the text also says that the woman, when she found out that she was not going to be able to get 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 away without being identified, she came forward, really crying, broken and stuff. Yeah, that's what that's verse thirty three. That's right where we're at. And, and the amount of detail <laughs> that Mark gives, like what Jesus was thinking on the inside, mm -hmm. and what the woman was thinking on the inside, and her whole backstory. Of all those doctors, the money spent, and, you know that whole thing, and, and that really tested Peter and the other disciples' patience for sure. Yeah. They're like, like, who cares what this Lord? Okay, so what? You know, like one of my friends used to say, he's he's one of these, you know, get to the bottom line kind of guys, and he'd always say, you know, show me the baby, don't tell me about the labor pains. That's the main gist of this whole this whole event here. That Jesus was not being inconvenienced. No. We would think of it as an inconvenience, 
if you're on your way to the work or store and somebody slow gets in front of if you're if you're out just for a joy ride hey it's okay for me to drive 10 miles an hour yeah you know no, if you're richard i hope you don't hear that richard <laughs> you know even i you know i'm out for a joy ride sometimes you know really and debbie is but if, if we're in a hurry to get somewhere and somebody else gets in front of us, that delays us. Yeah, she's not here. Inconvenience, you're right. It's it's a it's a big inconvenience. And Jesus is, I think he's I think he's trying to show us here that when when he puts when when he puts, when he orchestrates inconveniences in our lives, hmm. we need to allow him to work. You know, even though we don't understand it, oh, even though we understand it. <clears throat> now, are we going to say this? Mm-hmm. Are we going to put the Lord in charge of the circumstances when we're coming, like to church or something, and we get by somebody slow? We're going to say, well, Lord, that's just your will. Yes, that's what you said. <laughs> so you're getting all mad. <laughs> Instead of hammering down out there on yeah, uh, right. Cane uh, Creek Road and going around. <laughs> The suit. I passed him by the tank today. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what were you going to say, David? I had no passing on. But you're right. But, but I, I, I think I think this this whole story, and I think you're you're right, Lori. It it hinges on on inconvenience. Yeah. On inconvenience. Verse thirty three. It says, "But the woman." fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She assumed it would be a simple in and out, unnoticed, a simple physical healing. That's what she came for, right? But as she reaches and embraces his garment, her faith is noticed by Jesus and the Holy Spirit. She is looking, Jesus is looking for an act of true faith. Jesus is asking for something else here. Come out of the crowd and make yourself known to all. That's what Jesus is asking us. Come out of the crowd and make yourself known. Romans 10, 9. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, does, does that have to happen? Do you have to make an outward profession? Well, I think, I don't think that there's that. If you take that verse and say, do you confess Jesus to the Lord? Yes, okay, you're saved. I don't think you can No, there's that. yeah, we, we know we know there's there's more to it than than just a lip. But there lip is there needs to be evidence in your life. That's right, that's right. The evidence, the evidence is what people see. They see that more so, I think, than they do your lip profession. You know, I can I can tell somebody I'm changed. Or I can even tell somebody I'm growing. But if that's not evident in my life, in my outward life, in my personal life, in my, in my, especially in my life at home, if that's not evident, 
there's something wrong. There's something wrong. So, so part of that, what, what about these countries who, uh, who are persecuted for their faith? Those underground churches, you know? I think this woman needed more healing than just the, the issue of love. That was it. And the, and the Spirit of God knew that. The Spirit, because He comes later. There's, if you remember, with, uh, two or three weeks, two or three lessons ago, we talked about there's actually two healings here. One is the physical healing, which she got to first. Um, when she was caught, she was fearing and trembling. Why? Knowing what had just happened to her. She came without asking and without Jesus coming to her. Had anyone else ever tried to 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 steal a sign for a miracle before like this. I can't, I can't recall. You know, most people, uh, Jesus would either go to or they would come to him. But never before can I remember anybody coming up behind him just in that way. Well, there could have been, the scripture there may have been. There may have been. But, but the thing is, if they had been a Jewish rabbi, she, she could have been in real serious trouble yeah. because she was unclean. Yeah. But she, she had no business touching him at all. Like, <laughs> <coughs> That's just interesting. Yeah. He, he wasn't, he, I think he wasn't awake. But, but, but see, that, that's, that was a difference in Jesus. He was approachable. He was, he was, he was approachable by us too. By us too. And he, he came for the benefit of the people. The people wasn't there to benefit him with, with their money and their praise and all that stuff. Jesus, Jesus came to benefit the people for the people. So he made himself, intentionally made himself available. Let's give credit to the Father too, because that was called the time. The sin. Jesus makes it so clear. I yeah. came with you broken. Yes. Right. And if you look at the 12 years 
she has she's actually been brought to this point to where she she's been brought to the point where she realizes her need because everything had been took away from her her health her spiritual her spiritual life the the synagogue her her worship there uh more more than likely if she had been married uh that would have that would have severed or greatly impaired a marital relationship uh, her money was gone her money right she was she was broke this woman was broke all the way around and that and that's a good point and and 12 years it it took 12 years to bring her to this point you know it it took the lord i was i wasn't safe till i was 19 so it took the lord a long time to bring me to the point where i realized that i needed to save and i wasn't a bad person you know it took it took a long time it took this lady 12 years of suffering to bring her to this point you're you're exactly right and I, we're also able to look at the Holy Spirit in the situation. He was working in her heart the whole time. Sure. Twelve yeah. years. Because how many times you think this lady possibly thought about killing herself? You know what I'm saying? She probably had thought, I'm ended it. I've lost my money. I've lost everything I have. What else do I have to live for? The Holy Spirit continued to push on her. I think push I'm, I'm just reading yeah. into this. So but yeah, so he she he, she had that drive. She had that one last little increment of drive thinking, if I touch him. If I get close to Jesus, then I'll be healed. And it was that point. Yes, Dave. <laughs> so the next example for us, when we when we get moving and get on fire and we're we're working for God and we're doing it for God. And God's way back there. <laughs> right? And Christ was so in tune with the Father. Came up, he's like, okay, go, go your daughter. Let's all go that direction. Mm -hmm. And then the time spent with this lady getting the whole story. I mean, it was Christ getting kind of antsy, like, come on, let's, you know, forget about the early thing. Let's go. Mm -hmm. He didn't have anywhere to be except for where his father had planted. That's right. He wasn't no he, had, he, said he had to say, he, he said it. Yes, I'll go heal this girl. But what perfect timing to meet. Perfect spot of 12 years. The mm -hmm. father put her right there. And that's where Jesus was. And mm -hmm. Jesus. In, you know, completely relying on the Father, knew I need to go this way. And whatever the Father puts in there, that's the perfect time. And one of the examples of us, wake up in the morning, whatever steps in front of us, it's supposed to step in front of us. That's, uh, that's tough to do. That is very hard. <laughs> We've got plans. Peter had plans, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody had their agendas. Jairus had a plan. And they got quite grass why Christ's agenda was just to do the will of the Father, because we got stuff to do. Yeah. And we'll do it for the Father. Right. 
in the Father's name. Father's logo, and we'll get moving. But even with Blue Ridge Bible Church, he's got behind. They will be faithful. It's perfect timing. One soul saved. That's what we. That's what we try to do. Is, that's, that's it. That's that's, that's the goal. point. That's our goal. That's our goal. But it don't, don't always work out perfectly for us because we're we're still living in this yeah. human body. We this earthly temple. Resources, right? It took and, all this resource for this one soul. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, how, do you, how do you how do you add that up? I think it's interesting. I hadn't thought about it from the perspective of what the Lord is doing in the life of of everybody else to set the stage for this event. But he is. He's working not only in her life, but like you say, uh, Jairus and his daughter, as well as this guy, Jewish guy, being a leader and making Peter real and say all of these things coming together just the right place at the right time. But if you go through scripture, that's true. Same thing with Nicodemus and, and his the circumstances in his life all working out exactly the right place at exactly the right time. He, he comes at night, same with the woman at the well, uh, how the Lord is working in her heart, her life, and all of her, the message she's in and the, the trouble she's made, and how it culminates there at the Lord at the well. Same is true with Zacchaeus climbing up in that tree. And uh, just it, it, time after time after time, you see the, the beauty of God's orchestration in the lives of people in the events working it together so it comes down at the right moment, the right time, and Jesus is honored and glorified. And it happens in our lives, too. It does. In our church, right? It does. In our church, be faithful. Hmm. Be earnest in prayer. I think it's all Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and, so, and so tomorrow, when something doesn't go right in your life, <laughs> remember these. Remember these things. <laughs> Don't call Larry. Larry will my answer if any one of you. What an example he <laughs> But 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 reflect reflect on these things because that's why that's why we that's right that's why we have the word of God that's right in our hearts right. and in our minds. So when things do come up, remember remember that be Amen. be slow to act or react. Be slow to react. But you know, also, we have to watch it too because people are watching us. You know, they're saying, Oh, if you're a Christian, why are you acting? Why, why are you look? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know we're human with that thing, but we can handle it a lot easier and better and not blow up in a situation. So we keep our testimony. Yeah. yeah. And that's where we should be. Yeah. That's hard to do sometimes. You know, and Lord's working on us all. At, at different stages some some people it's easier just to keep your mouth shut and and kind of grin and bearish you know when somebody trespasses against you you know sometimes sometimes people others, others are not like that but we're all growing to that point and it says uh she came and fell down before him she was she is showing her worship those who recognize who Jesus is worships him in this way, showing reverence. And she told him the whole truth. Hmm. 
she didn't try to sugarcoat anything. She came laying her life out, telling all that Mark had just told us how she has suffered for 12 years, looked everywhere for answers only to find none, to have all that she had gone, her health, her money, rejected by the synagogue, but to hear of a hope, one who restores. Word about Jesus had gotten around. And I'm sure she tells of her faith that she had in him. She, she told him the whole truth. She admitted her guilt and her selfish desire. Mm -hmm. I think that was the point. As soon as she realized what had happened to her, you know, it's, it's one thing to think that you could be healed, you know, but when it happens, it's amazing. It's a whole, it's a whole different experience. It, yeah, it is. It is. And it says in verse 34, and he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Jesus could have responded in many different ways. And he would have had the right to. She could have been made, uh, she could have made him unclean. She could have been selfless in that way. Interrupted his plan, delayed his sign or his miracle that he's going to work with Jairus. But he responds back to her faith in love and forgiveness. Notice <clears throat> this changes her whole life. She's been healed. Now she can go to the priest and confirm it and give the offering required return to the synagogue. She can have that fellowship again. Notice also Jesus calls her daughter. I believe the only woman he refers to in this way in scripture. She now has a new family. She now has a heavenly father who looks after her. And she is again a daughter in the nation of Israel. It goes on your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This is speaking not of a physical healing, but of her now spiritual well-being. This is a type of peace that only comes from God. I think of the song that says, it is well with your soul. It is well with your soul. That's not talking of a physical well-being. That is talking of a peace that is within you. And that's what this lady had. What a way of calming her down. You are made well. Go in peace. Only Jesus can make you spiritually well. And as he added uh, the benefit, Jesus says, be healed of your affliction. I believe, I believe noting the distinction of the two healings. The spiritual healing happens in the heart. We can't really visually see that, but the crowd could see and hear the healer because of her coming out. It is important for people to see and to hear your words, but it's equally important for people to see 
your changed life to notice the difference. How will you respond when Jesus, when his sovereignty interrupts your plan? It's good to have plans, but allow God's sovereignty to supersede in our plans. <clears throat> That's it. Any, any comments? Any thoughts? He doesn't always ask us or tell us when he's going to interrupt sometimes. So you have to be ready to realize he is in charge. Yeah. Don't yeah, you have you have to know that he is sovereign. You have to believe that that that's that's something that's very difficult. You have to realize that nothing comes into your life where he has not had his hand in. That's exactly that that is something that's hard. You know, Debbie's got an appointment tomorrow and, and she's kind of, you know. My high, is my eye healing? Am I going to see all these things? But God is sovereign, and you got to you got to lay it at His feet. It's 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 easy for me to tell them that, but when you're in the thick of it, it's hard, it's hard to you know it, you know it because the Word of God says it, but it's hard to really believe. You know yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know exactly it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. I think that's that doctrine. More than any other doctrine, it's where real peace comes for believers. In the song, it's peace for a believer is not a, you know an ethereal hope or promise. It's it comes with the truth that you just expressed. When you embrace that, and you, when you learn it, you grow in that. And that's what Paul talks about: the peace passing. <clears throat> you know, that the um, that whole. The whole text there in Philippians is all about uh, committing it to the Lord's Prayer and Thanksgiving and then set your mind on other things. Why? Because I know that God is in control and I can rest in that. That Jesus does that all the time. He demonstrates that in a really great way over and over again. That's where the way John MacArthur puts it in John 6 when he has those Disciples, these were people that were close to him. They, were, they weren't his enemies, they were his friends. They followed him for months and years, and they, they're done. They're hot. And the way John puts it, I like it, he says that Jesus retreats into this doctrine. He, he, he takes that, that, okay, all, because he says in there many, several times in that chapter, all whom the Father gives me will come. And he says that almost. It's almost like he's reassuring himself too. He's hiding in that in that doctrine. And that's where he gets his peace from. It's the same thing. That that's part of his humanity too. Yeah. It's part of his right. humanity. Right. Right. Because you know, we could get we could get very discouraged. You know, even even with our with our local church shrinking like it has, if you didn't know the sovereignty of God, if you didn't believe that. You know. Very good. Yes, sir. How, how ineffectual it would have been to tell her no go and tell them to. Oh, yeah. Everybody already knew, didn't they? Everybody she knew. Oh, she she huh? laid it out on the line. The I'm sure she told them, you okay, know, okay. I've been ill. I'm sure she was like singing at her. Everybody told, everybody told that to Yeah, yeah. 
That's what happens when you're completely healed like that. Yeah. Yeah. Except for the nine eleven. Yeah. <laughs> we'll pray. Right. We got yeah. that meeting. Yeah, go ahead and pray. Thanks. Father, I wasn't asking for me to pray, but in your sovereignty, I will bring this meeting to a close. I do thank you for the fact that the throne of the universe is always occupied and you are approachable by your children and that we can bring our problems and our concerns to you. And you are interested <clears throat> and you stop and listen. <clears throat> and from our personal perspective, we have your undivided attention. We just thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your care. And we've been reminded tonight that we need to, as Pete mentioned, retreat into the doctrine of your sovereignty especially when we see things falling apart around us. And uh, they are, in one sense, the world is seemingly on a roller coaster without anybody sitting at the helm and nobody's controlling and things are just falling apart. And yet they're not, they're in your hand. Help us to be stable to the point that people will want to know the reason for stability, the reason for calmness and peace. Thank you so much for this time. Pray for the meeting to follow. We're looking at uh, the church and some of the things of the church. And thank you that we are not throwing our hands up in the air and wondering why these things are happening. And is Satan really running the show and stuff like that? We know who's on the throne and we are, we are at rest and at peace in that. And we just want to know, we want to report for orders and receive your instructions and comply with your will and cooperate with what you're doing. And, and we want to bring honor and glory to our Savior. So we pray that you do that. Thank you for this discussion tonight. Thank you for uh, the story, which is a true story, and all the lessons that are there and many more. And thank you for Larry's patience and study in this text. And I just ask your rich blessing upon him. Pray for David's meeting tomorrow with the doctor. I pray that you'll give her peace tonight. And uh, that tomorrow we will see your hand of provision and your miraculous hand of restoration in her life. And just bless this evening now. And thank you for these people. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.